Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you for another Tuesday morning episode. Today I'm sharing an interview that I did with author Geneva Rose about her thriller, One of Us is Dead. This is a very twisty, suspense-filled book that I hope you will pick up if thrillers are something you enjoy. Once you hear that interview, I'll be back to chat with you about the plethora of new books that are out this week. So let's get into the housekeeping information and then we'll get started. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Geneva Rose about her latest novel, One of Us is Dead. This released in the U.S. on April 26th. So first off, I just want to thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Can we start with a brief introduction to One of Us is Dead so that listeners can have a little bit of an idea what to expect? Well, as much as anyone can know what to expect with a twisty thriller such as this. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So One of Us is Dead is about a Southern salon owner who gets entangled in the lives of her elite wealthy clients. And when one of them ends up dead, it's only her and her accumulation of town gossip that can help the police solve the murder. So you don't know who's dead, you don't know who killed them, and you don't know why they did it. And all these people have, like, so many reasons that they could either end up dead or be the one who who was a murderer. Um, like, all of these people have such complex backstories, complex relationships. I'm wondering how easy or difficult you found it like to keep everyone straight and all of the ways in which they like connected to various other people. Um, I would say I've written six books and this was definitely my no- most difficult one to write. And it was because I chose to write it with the five first person points of view. And then it switches between past and present where the present is Jenny, the salon owner speaking to a detective about what transpired between these women. And then yes. the past is all the points of view leading up to the murder. So it was very difficult, but I wanted to ensure that readers could keep the characters straight and wouldn't be confusing. 
And then also having um, kind of each woman plays a role. You know, you have Olivia, the social climber who will do anything for power. Jenny, the salon owner who's entangled in it all and trying to keep the peace and run her business. You have Shannon, the scorned ex-wife and Crystal, the younger new wife. And then there's Karen, who's kind of the mother hen and is struggling with her own identity uh, while also being sucked into the drama of this, this group of women. So I have to ask you like very carefully so as not to spoil anything, but when you were writing this, like, did you know who it was that ended up dead and who was responsible or did that kind of unfold for you as you were writing? Um, so I had the twist in mind and I wrote the first draft and because of the success of my previous novel, The Perfect Marriage and just, oh, yes. ev- yeah, everyone loving the shocking twist, I wasn't satisfied with what I wanted my initial ending to be. So this was a rare book that I rewrote the ending a couple of times until I felt it was going to be, I don't know, the most juicy and shocking ending. So I have a question from one of my presenters um, who also read One of Us is Dead over the weekend. And so this is from Brooke. And she wonders if you found it difficult to kind of stay in the heads of so many people that a lot of readers might find unlikable? Um, I don't, not really. I, I really like to write unlikable characters. I think they're way more fun to write. They're more colorful. <laughs> you can just do more with them. I find it harder to write the more I don't know, normal characters because then there's this balance of making sure that they're interesting And Mm -hmm. because as soon as a reader finds a character boring, they're also found unlikable from being boring. And that can happen when you have a very normal character. Um, So I, I I mean, I did this uh, little Q&A for, I think, women writers where it was a character. I was interviewing a character um, and I chose the character of Olivia for that. So I got to jump back in her head. Um, And I was like, I don't know if I can go back in her head because she's such a a villain in the story. Um, But I leaped right back in her head. So it was great. And just like so many of her thoughts, you know, like as you're watching things unfold from her point of view, like so much of what she thinks, you're just kind of like, oh, my goodness. Like, I wonder, you know, who I know that has like all these sort of terrible thoughts like floating around in their heads I mean there's definitely people like that that exist in the world yes yes there are she was one that was um interesting to jump into because yes I mean her thoughts are I actually have like friends that are like I don't know how you wrote this character because you're so nice and then I was like what if I'm not what if those were my thoughts (laughs) yes what if I just like play a good game and make you think something totally different but I've been nice to you for a decade. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But really, like, there's all these sort of diabolical things, like, floating around. <laughs> there, there, There's a new story right there. <laughs> there you go. So you said um, a little while ago that you've written six books. Have they all been published, or are you, um, like, waiting on some to be published? Or how many can we find of, of your published works? Um, actually, you can find five of them. Uh, two of them are written oh. under a pen name, um, but the other three under Geneva Rose. And then the sixth will publish April of 2023. Beautiful. So I'm aware of The Perfect Marriage and of One of Us is Dead. So I will have to go looking for some other stuff that you've done. 
Yeah, I did. Um, one of them is a woman's fiction novel with some magical realism. And that one's called Ooh. The Girl I Was. Um, and that's under my name. And then the two books um, are a part of a series and they're under a pen name, J.R. Adler. Ah, okay. Well, I'll have to take a look then. <laughs> I always love when I come to an author like I love debuts as well, but then there's something so like almost comforting about like, wow, I read, you know, this particular book and there are still like others that I haven't discovered yet. And I just feel so, I don't know, like there's this nice sense of anticipation that like I don't have to leave behind an author who's writing I've enjoyed that like there's still more for me to dive into. Yeah, I'm the same way. I love discovering an author and I'm like, oh, what? they wrote five other books. Great. I'm adding those to my TBR. Yes. Yes. And yet, like as someone who talks to you know, a number of authors, both authors who've been you know, established for a while and then like authors who are kind of up and coming, there is also that sort of very nice sense of like, I don't know, like continuity when you've followed an author from the beginning. So I don't really know that I have a preference. Um, I think I just, I like both things in, in kind of different ways. Yeah. And then it's also when it's like a debut, it's like, Oh, I got to wait like a year or more for their next book. Dang. <laughs> yeah. That's what like I'm like it, when I find someone. <laughs> it takes only so long. One book. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I want more. <laughs> You know, one of the things I, I try to tell myself is like, I can read a book in a couple of hours, but it takes like so much longer to, to write them. And I'm, I'm also kind of an impatient, um, reader in terms of like waiting for books, but I do always try to remind myself that like, it's actually real people who are writing these. They just don't like pop out of the ether somehow, like fully formed. Um, yeah. but. Sometimes it, it doesn't work. Sometimes I'm still like, but why aren't there more? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so have you kind of always known that you wanted to write or did writing come to you as kind of a happy surprise? Um, as Like I always wanted to write and I always knew as a child, like my career would have to do with writing. And prior to transitioning to a full-time author last year, um, I was working as a senior social media manager uh, for a Fortune 500 co or company. So a lot of my you know, daily tasks were creating content and writing content. Um, oh, yes. And it wasn't until like I had tried to write books before and I like in middle school, high school and in college, there was many attempts. Um, but I just found it to be so daunting and I never thought I could finish it. I'm also a very, very impatient person. So that <laughs> was an issue. <laughs> But it wasn't until um, 2016, I had always wanted to write a book. I had tried multiple times and I was like, I'm going to write a book just to cross it off my bucket list and that's it. And I wrote the book and I actually finished it. But somewhere along the way, I fell in love with the process and I was like, I think I'm going to write another one. And that second book I wrote was The Perfect Marriage. And I fell in love with the, I was already in love with the thriller genre as a reader, but writing that book made me, I was like, maybe I can do something with this. And you know, I ended up getting an agent within two weeks, um, which I hadn't got with my first book. And I just kept writing. It took a while to get published. It's a very, very difficult industry, a lot of rejections. Um, but yeah, I mean, once I actually finished that first book, I was like, I think this could be a career for me. And it turns out that it is. Yes. If you just keep persevering and you're okay with hundreds and hundreds of rejections, it can happen. <laughs> I feel like that 
would be something that would take kind of a lot of getting used to kind of learning to not be okay with rejection, but not have it like really crush you each time. Cause I think that'd be really hard to come back from if you felt it like very, you know, very deeply and very personally each time. Yeah. I think um, with, when you're querying agents, some of them can be tough, especially if like it's a, it's a rejection on a full request. Um, but those like, I don't know, they were like little tiny stings after a while because there were so many of them, so it didn't matter anymore. Um, I think oh. the most difficult ones, I was just like, okay, join the rest of them. <laughs> Let me put you in my folder. <laughs> um, I think the really hard ones are when, you know, your your book is heading to acquisition at a publisher and it falls apart because they were so close. Oh. Those are Those are the worst ones. So when you are writing, like, do you kind of know overall like where you're going or do you kind of let it evolve as you write? Um, so be- I think it's because I come from a marketing background because I've never heard of any, any of my author friends doing this, but when I, I will not write a book until I can summarize it in a sentence or two. So it has a very commercial hook. And then from there I write like the back marketing copy and then I oh. do, yeah, I do it. I've never heard of anyone else doing that way. Maybe someone does, but I just come from such a marketing background that I know as a reader, like if I know what a book is about and it has a strong commercial hook, I'm going to be more interested in it. And it also helps me as a writer ensure my storyline is staying with what my initial like idea was. And it's on that path of just that little two sentence hook. Um, and then I do like character sketches, setting sketches, and I do more of a bare bones outline because I want the story to be able to breathe and I want the characters to be able to breathe. And a lot of times that's where some of my smaller twists or reveals or, you know, side storylines come in is because I allow, you know, there to be, you know, it can be molded around. It's not, you know, in stone what the entire story is going to be. So what kind of comes first for you? Like, do you get like the flash of like a character in your mind that you know you want to write and then form it from there? Or is it like a a basic plot idea? Like what is kind of the first thing that speaks to you as like, oh, this this is something that I want to base, you know, my next book around? Um, I would say 99% of the time it's the plot. It's a situation. Um, so for example, for one of us is dead. I thought of that idea, um, when I was sitting in a salon chair and I was talking to my hairstylist and she mentioned something I had previously told her and it was personal and I didn't remember telling her that. And I looked at her (laughs) and I was like, I told you that. I can't believe I told you that. And she replied, Yes, you wouldn't believe the things that people say when they're sitting in this chair. And that was how One of Us is Dead began, because I had never read a thriller that was set in a salon with a hair salon owner at the center of it. And I just thought it was a perfect setting for a thriller because it evokes conversation. Women gossip, men too. And when they go to, my husband goes to like a place that, you know, massages his hands and everything, and he chats the entire time when he's there. So he's like, it's very realistic for both men and women if you've ever been in a salon. Or yes. a shop. <laughs> yes. And it's true. I'm I'm thinking back over like things I've read over the past few years. And we see, you know, lots of thrillers that explore kind of the various dynamics between groups of women. But I've never seen one in a salon with someone kind of playing that centralized part in the way that that Jenny did. Um, I think it's a very very fresh and, and unique kind of take on 
and all the things we love in a thriller. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And I like Googled afterwards. I was like, I hope there's not a salon thriller. And there wasn't. So. <laughs> I was like, good. Okay, I'm going to write this idea. <laughs> I'm guessing that it can be difficult to kind of find that like unique way into a genre that's, you know, pretty saturated with, with plot. Um, you know, cause a lot of the things we read have some common themes, but I, I would guess that as an author, you're kind of always looking for that way to like bring something new and different. Yeah, that's, it does get difficult. Um, I do try to make it so my books are not formulaic and it's going to be unique and a unique experience each time. And I've actually seen some really nice reviews where they're like, you don't know what you're going to get from Geneva Rose's book because she always is very unique. Um, and I try to do that. Um, so like my book, um, I just had a book deal get announced last week. My publisher, Blackstone, purchased my next five thrillers. Um, five. I know. I was that's very such, surprised. That's so I, awesome. I've only written one of them. So I was very surprised when I got the offer. I was like, what are all these untitled books? And they were like, we want your next five books. And I was like, oh, okay. That's what those are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, now I have to write four more on top of the one I wrote. Um, but the one that releases next year is is like, I call it my Airbnb thriller. Um, and it's titled, You Shouldn't Have Come Here. Uh, oh. it's, about a, <laughs> yes. um, it's about a overworked New York woman who books an Airbnb on a ranch in the middle of Wyoming. And the host is a handsome young man and the two start to fall for one another. But as her departure date nears, things change for the worse because she believes that his infatuation has turned to obsession and he might not let her leave. And he oh. thinks, Yes. And he thinks that she's hiding something from him. And there's a previous missing guest and it's very atmospheric and gothic. Um, and that one came about from I've stayed at lots of Airbnbs uh, all over the U.S. and in Europe. And at one of the Airbnbs I was at with my husband, I it was there was a woman staying there alone in one of the other rooms. And I was like, oh, my gosh, can you imagine if you were staying at one of these Airbnbs? And because the host was there, too. And it was just you're a single woman there by yourself. Um Oh. And that was kind of what sparked that idea. And then I was like, what if it wasn't in Paris? What if it was, you know, in the middle of nowhere? And that's what kind of sparked that idea. I grew up reading like the gothics of, you know, Victoria Holt and Phyllis Whitney, where you always have these like big houses. And obviously back then, you know, there weren't Airbnbs, but there's always this like kind of dark, threatening house. And it's very isolated. And like, those are just kind of the, the themes of the books that I read, you know, as like a, a young adult um, falling in love with mysteries and thrillers. Yeah, so that's that's what that one kind of is. And also like being way out in Wyoming, there's no Wi-Fi service. The Internet doesn't work um, for some reason. Um, and there's that, yeah, sense of being alone and secluded. And I kind of, yeah, it kind of brings you back to like the days before you had cell phones even though it takes place in present time yes so you mentioned um earlier in our conversation that you you know fell in love with the thriller genre as a reader so I'm curious to know like is that mainly what you read or do you read outside the genre as well um I do read mostly like the thrillers mystery just to you know support my fellow authors and also know like what's already in the market. Um, but I, then I do like, <laughs> yes, uh, I do like to break it up sometimes and then I'll read like some romance or cute romance. So I'll read like some Sophie Kinsella books or Colleen Hoover books. 
um, just to break up all that darkness that I read about and write about. So what have you read recently that you think the world should know about? Um, well, one that I'm reading now, the world already knows about. It's His and Hers by Alice Feeney. But I oh, did yes. Read, yes. Uh, I'm late to that, um, but I'm reading that. But I did read an arc by Jessica Payne, and I think it releases this month, and it's called <gasps> Make Me Disappear. Um, and it's very well done. It's about a woman in an abusive relationship, and she plans her own kidnapping in order to get away from him. But there's a lot of tools yes, throughout. Yes, it's very good. I think it, I'm pretty sure it releases this month. I will keep an eye out for it. What draws you to a book? Like you're looking at either like lists of new releases or like library shelves. And I know you mentioned like a plot hook, but if you're like, are there other things that kind of draw you in or is it always that sort of plot hook summary that draws you in? Um, I think a big thing, as much as um, people say not to judge a book by its cover, a lot of times a cover can draw you to it. Um, that's why I was I was very pleased with what Blackstone did with One of Us is Dead, because I think it's a beautiful cover that eyes are drawn to. So there are books that I've been drawn to simply because of the cover or maybe the little tagline on the front. Um, and those are what kind of get me. Otherwise, it could just be a very unique setting that I haven't read before or a unique plot setup that I haven't read before. And that'll draw me there, too. It's interesting that you say that because as a person who can't see, like, I don't understand, like, the cover hype. Like, I always see people say, like, oh, this book has such a great cover. Like, it's, you know, people always talk about, like, covers, but I've never seen. And so covers for me, like, I look at the synopsis, you know, at the, like, at the back of the book or on a website, and I'm like, okay, that that's good. But covers have never been sort of that that visual thing that that draws me. Yeah. And there are like, you know, books with beautiful covers that, you know, aren't great stories. And there are books that don't have great covers and are wonderful stories. Um, so I guess in a way, like sometimes it's just, I think it's the whole bookstagram aesthetic on Instagram as well, where people like to stage their books. And, ah, yes. Yes. I have so heard I think that. Yeah, that's played into it a lot with, like, people really being into the cover of a book. I think it's just the aesthetic of social media that does that. Ah, uh, social media. It it oh, directs yes. our lives in so many ways. It, defi- it definitely does. <laughs> so I read the audio version of One of Us is Dead, and I have to compliment you on, like, the stellar cast of narrators that you have. Like they are all amazing and form like such a nice, authentic sounding whole. Yeah, I was I was very impressed. I was I remember telling my agent I was like I really hope they give um, a different narrator for each point of view. And then she was like I don't think they will. They probably just have one. And then when they sent me the cast list, I was like Oh my gosh, they're doing five and they're such well recognized narrators just at the top of their game. So I was I heard when I heard. You know, they sent me like snippets of them um, playing each character. And I was just like, wow, this is just such a well done audio book. And I've gotten a lot of, you know, I did went on tour last week and I did five cities and there were a lot of people that already listened to it. And they were like, it was like listening to like a reality show or a movie because of how well those narrators did. So I was very, very excited about that. 
So you didn't have input then in like choosing who they would be or which characters they would play? I had final say. So they sent me over um, the cast list and who they wanted to play. And then they sent me like other examples that they have done for other books that they thought, ah. thought were. Yeah. And then honestly, when I saw it, I was just like, I don't have any changes. This is perfect. Um, and I was just like, approved. You're good to go. <laughs> I'm like, they know what they're doing. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, I think this one would do better. I'm like, they're professionals, and Blackstone knows what they're doing in terms of putting together a great audiobook. Yes, and it, it was just incredibly well done. I was so, so happy when I looked at the, the narrators listed, and I was like, wow, this is like an all-star sort of cast for an audiobook. Yeah, so I hope, I mean, I always recommend, um, like, if you like audiobooks, this is such a good one to listen to. I'm always like, listen to this audiobook. Yes. Yes, we are big audiobook fans here at Book Bistro. So we talk a lot about, you know, the ways in which commercial audio has enhanced the reading lives of so many people. We talk a lot about narrators. Um, it's just, it's a pretty big deal around here. Yeah, I, def- I definitely agree. I think it's gotten just with um, how much better audiobooks are getting and the casting and even when they're casting like actors and you know, celebrities, I just think it's, you know, getting more people into reading that, you know, you can't read while you're driving. So then you can listen to an audiobook or That's right. you, you can clean your house while you're listening to it. So I think it's just a, and working out. There was one woman that messaged me. She was like, I worked out like an extra 40 minutes just to finish your audiobook of the one of us is dead. And I was like, <sighs> oh, I should put, I should put that on there. We'll improve, we'll improve cardiovascular health. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I have on my iPad currently um, the perfect marriage as an audio. So I will definitely be checking that one out soon. Perfect. That one is also, um, that one has two narrators, narrators, one for the husband and one for the wife, um, which I was very happy with. Beautiful. I love when they're done like that. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with me and to let listeners know a little bit about who you are and what you write. Um, Can you let us know the best place to find you online? Um, Well, my website is GenevaRose.com. Otherwise, I am very active on Instagram and on TikTok. And that is the handle is GenevaRoseAuthor for both of those. Perfect. Again, this has been a discussion with author Geneva Rose about her novel, One of Us is Dead, which released in the U.S. on April 26th. All right. So new books. There are a lot of them. I did have to stop looking after a certain point. Otherwise, this episode would have been much longer than anyone would want. So these are the ones that I've chosen to highlight. I'm going to start out, as always, with some things that you've heard us talk about before, mostly on our most anticipated releases of June episode. But the first book I'm going to talk about was actually mentioned on our May episode, and then the release date was pushed to June. So Kristen talked about Forging Silver into Stars, which is the first book in a series with the same title by Bridget Kemmerer. And she talked about this in May, thinking that it was going to come out on the 17th and that it was pushed to June 7th. So it is finally here. Now I'm going to talk more about June books. I'm starting out with a book of Mika's. This is By Her Own Design, a novel of Anne Lowe, 
by Piper Hughley. This is a historical novel. Then Sarah was looking forward to Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan and Out of the Clear Blue Sky by Kristen Higgins. These are both women's fiction slash romance novels. And uh, Stacey is looking forward to Unforgiven Deep Ops Book 5 by Rebecca Zanetti. Christine has a couple of books that she highlighted that are coming out today. First up is More Than You'll Ever Know, which is a mystery by Katie Gutierrez, and The Woman in the Library by Sulari Gentil, which is kind of a mystery, but also just kind of a, a general fiction book about friendship. So those are books that you've heard us talk about before. Let's move on to some books that we haven't mentioned before. So I'm starting off with a couple of fantasy novels. First up, we have some urban fantasy. No, not, well, kind of urban fantasy. This is Tattered Thorns, Night Queen, book one by Yasmin Gallinorn. This is an amazing start to a new series. It's a spin-off of Gallinorn's Wild Hunt series, but you can start here if you choose. My personal recommendation being the huge Yasmin fan that I am, of course, would be to go way back to the beginning and read all of the Wild Hunt, starting with The Silver Stag, and then move on um, to this Night Queen series, which the first book is out this week. Um, Lyrical is a phenomenal heroine, and I cannot wait to see how her story unfolds. You will also see some cameos from characters who will be familiar to you if you've read The Wild Hunt. So this is Tattered Thorns, Night Queen, book one by Yasmin Gallinorn. Then I have a young adult fantasy. This is Empress Crowned in, Re in Red. It's the second book in the Witches Steeped in Gold series by Shannon Smart. This is kind of Jamaican-themed mythology about witches, about uneasy alliances, finding freedom, understanding who you are, and of course, lots of magic and intrigue. Um, the first book in this series came out last year, I believe. So this is the follow-up. It is Empress Crowned in Red, Witches Steeped in Gold, book two by Shannon Smart. Moving on to some mysteries, we have Tell Us No Secrets. This is by Sienna Sterling. It is a debut novel set in an elite East Coast girls school. Apparently passions are simmering to a boil, um, which results in murder. This is definitely one that I plan to pick up. It is Tell Us No Secrets by Sienna Sterling. I also want to talk about a couple of historical mysteries. We have A Botanist's Guide to Parties and Poisons. This is Saffron Everly, book one. It's by Kate Cavari. It is the start of a new historical series set in 1920s London 
um, about a female scientist. And of course, you know, we have all the kind of fun intrigue that we get in historical mysteries, but we also have some of the deeper things, um, like the fact that women's rights, you know, were not great in the 1920s and that women in STEM were less common than they are today. So this is one that I want to pick up um, as soon as I can. So it is A Botanist's Guide to Parties and Poison, Saffron Everly, Book One by Kate Kavari. We also have Last Call at the Nightingale. This is by Katherine Shellman. I have heard so many good things about this. Um, originally, I thought that it was going to be part of a series as well, but it actually now looks like it's going to be a standalone. Um, I don't always love historical mysteries. Like everything has to work just right for me to really fall into one. But a lot of people now are writing like strong heroines in the leading detective roles in historical mysteries. And I'm really into that at this point. So this makes um, books like this one intriguing to me. This is Last Call at the Nightingale, and it's by Katherine Shellman. Moving on, um, I want to talk about some women's fiction slash romance. I'm going to start this section off with the new Sunny Hostin novel. This is Summer on Sag Harbor. It's Oak Bluff, book two. And this is Olivia's story. It's set in an elite African-American community in the Hamptons on Long Island. If you've read Summer on the Bluff, which is the first book that Hostin wrote, um, you will have met Olivia and know kind of some of her backstory. Um, if you are like Kristen and you were intrigued by Olivia's character, you will finally get to have her story. So this is Summer on Sag Harbor, Oak Bluff, book two by Sunny Hostin. Then we have I Saw What He Did. This is by Kemi Estefan. It is about a writing group that changes the lie the life of one of its members in unimaginable ways. Um, it reminds me a little bit of something like um, The Woman in the Library by Silari Gentile, which is, you know, a bunch of people coming together. They're strangers, but they're brought together by like a certain event. And that's kind of what this reminds me of people, you know, brought together by a writing class and finding more than they expected. Um, this is I Saw What He Did by Kemi Estefan. In the same vein, we have Iona Iverson's Rules for Commuting. This is the second novel by Claire Pooley, and this is about a group of strangers who share the same commute on the train day in and day out. And they all kind of make up little stories about each other. They have you know, their own ideas about who everyone else is. And then through a series of circumstances, these people become friends and their lives are enriched. So this, once again, is Iona Iverson's Rules for Commuting, and it's by Claire Pooley. We also have The Lifestyle by Taylor Hahn. This is the story of a couple whose marriage 
is in trouble after the husband has been unfaithful. In order to save the marriage, his wife decides that they should become swingers and they enter the swinging community along with a couple of our heroine's good friends who are also, you know, trying to change their relationships for the better. So this is The Lifestyle and it's by Taylor Hahn. We also have The Setup. This is by Lizzie Dent, and it is, she wrote The Summer Job a couple of years ago, and I think this is her second book. Um, it is about an impulsive fib that starts a summer of reinvention and self-discovery, and possibly even a little bit of love along the way. So this is The Setup, and it's by Lizzie Dent. We also have Four Ways to Wear a Dress. This is by Jillian Libby. Um, it is another kind of reinvention story. It's a story about finding your own happiness and being willing to fight for it, even if that happiness doesn't look the way other people think it should, other people have taught you to think it should. Um, it seems very, very self-empowering, which I love a lot in today's fiction. So this is Four Ways to Wear a Dress, and it's by Jillian Libby. We have a historical romance. This is The Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes by Cat Sebastian. Cat Sebastian is known for writing some really great queer historicals. Um, this one is about a reluctant thief and the criminal who falls in love with her. I'm not sure like what the difference is between the thief and the criminal. I think like they're both committing crimes, but that's okay because I am a really big fan of thief books, especially when we have a, a female in kind of the thief role. So this is one that I will be checking out for sure. And it is The Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes and it's by Kat Sebastian. So I want to talk about a couple of young adult novels, um, starting out with We Are Your Parents. This is by Hannah Moskowitz. It's about a teenage girl who has finally come back to school. Um, she's had a really hard time lately. She got pregnant, had a baby, dealt with postpartum depression, was put in a psych ward, and was dumped by her girlfriend while she was in said psych ward. Now she's back in school and struggling to kind of keep her head above water, hoping that she can like get back into the things that she really loved about school and struggling to do so. Um, Hannah Moskowitz has written a few really deep, intense YA novels, and this one looks like it will be another really excellent one. It is We Are Your Parents by Hannah Moskowitz. And last up for me, Today, we have This Place is Still Beautiful. This is by Zizi Shun, and it is a story of racism and kind of that legacy that it leaves. Um, it also talks about first love and complicated family relationships. I think we learn a lot about racism, about marginalized groups of people when people are writing these stories. And I think so many of them are written 
for teenagers right now, and I think they are some of the best stories that are being told, some of the most timely, the most relevant, and the kind of stories that can just kind of reach out of the book and grab you and really make you think about things in a way that you might not have been able to before reading these books. So if you love authors like um, Leila Sabrine or Samira Ahmed, this might be um, a book that you're drawn to. It is This Place is Still Beautiful, and it's by Zizi Sean. I'm going to apologize as I end this recording um, for any kind of oddness you may hear in my speaking voice. I have had a really bad allergy flare-up and so probably sound um, about as good as I feel at the moment, but it is always worthwhile to come out of my Benadryl-induced fog to talk about new books. So I hope that all of you are doing well and finding lots and lots of great books to read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.